Dear Broadies, before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion in the United States. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety, and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions in this country. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans and people who live in America. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. You can find a list of where to donate in each state at donationsforabortion.com. That's donations, the number four, abortion.com. I have personally started donating to states where trigger laws go into effect immediately. Remember, even if you can only spend $1 or $5, that helps. There are things we can do to fight this, and it is going to take continued focus and community support. So I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. I believe that emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. is foundational to doing the right thing when your neighbor is being oppressed and doing the right thing when, you know, the person across the street from you is having their rights taken. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pod Broads. This is a podcast about women in podcasting, and I'm your host, Alexandra Cole. Hey y'all, Alexandra here, and I am so, so excited to welcome you to the very first episode of The Pod Broads. And I want to extend a huge thank you to you for listening in and for being a part of this community. So some of you may already know me from my work with Podraland, my platform completely dedicated to women in podcasting. Obviously, this podcast is an extension of that. And my guest today is Jessica Lignato, who is a psychic, astrologer, animal communicator, author, and the host of Ghost of a Podcast. She's also just overall a badass chick, and I was so stoked to speak with her. So I first became connected to Jessica through the Girl Boss Network, where she previously worked as resident astrologer and regularly was on the podcast self-service. After we became connected, I featured her and Ghost of a Podcast on Podradar, section of Podland that specifically highlights indie women podcasters. And despite having recorded this episode back on July 8th, 2020, everything we discuss continues to be so relevant, maybe even more relevant than it was on that day, and is why I wanted to jump in with our conversation as the inaugural episode. Of the many things we talk about, some of my favorite parts include her candor in discussing how the Trump presidency completely changed her relationship with all of her work, including her podcast, the fear of wrongness, quote unquote, and performative versus true allyship in the fight against racism and many other harmful systems in America, and how she maintains boundaries between her astrology and psychic work, her podcast, and her personal life. I really admire Jessica's commitment to applying her knowledge of astrology and counseling to her full life and how she continues to strive to move ethically through the spaces she is in. Her podcast is one I turn to when I need clarity on the state of the world and how to manage my emotions and thoughts about what might be happening at the moment. And I would totally be lying if I said I wasn't fangirling a bit on the inside during our conversation. So I'm about to drop you right into her own words of who she is, but make sure to stick around for the end where you'll find out just how one of America's Next Top Model mottos applies to the growth work we as humans must do. Hello, Jessica. Hello. Thank you so much for joining. I'm so excited to do this. I'm excited to see your face also for the first time in months. I know. Because we met in person in New York, what, in February? Before everything happened. Yeah. Well, before we knew everything was happening, now we learn. Very true. I know. Well, and I know that you had also, like last year, kind of talked about what was... Can you actually... Can you jump into that real quick? Because you mentioned that something was kind of coming in terms of this like turmoil and everything that Mm -hmm. was going to be happening. So that was something that you read about a year before with the astrology. 
Yeah. Um, in in um, 2017, I put on my Instagram highlights a link to emergency supplies um, and encouraged people to start getting them. In fact, I just connected with a friend of mine who lives in Seattle, and she was like, thank you for three years ago telling me to get an N95 mask because, um, you know, her and her kid now have them. Um, so I... I, you know, I'll say this. As an astrologer, it's tricky knowing what to say in public and what's valuable. Some astrologers are really motivated by being right and having receipts. Um, and there's a lot of value to that. And it's it can be kind of uh, seductive to mm-hmm. want to do that. Um, my background as an astrologer is in counseling people. And so while, you know... I never met a Capricorn who didn't want to be right and have receipts. <laughs> I, um, I, I'm much more motivated by what's constructive. Mm-hmm. So um, that said, I'm not. I can't remember completely what I warned people about because I'm not saying that I edit it, but I'm certainly saying that I try to keep it constructive mm-hmm. um, and as much as possible focused on data that we can actually use instead of like, oh, I, you know, I did see an airborne pandemic um, coming. I thought it was coming at the end of 2020, Mm. not the beginning of 2020, Um, which honestly, I'm still not sure what is coming at the end of 2020. Um, I don't know if it's a wave that we can't yet conceive of or if it's a whole new fucking thing. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I... I, I, I tried again, I try to keep it constructive. So I'm not I can't remember exactly what I what I said in public. Um, but my partner is always because I, I spare him no no peace. So <laughs> my partner is always like sending me news articles being like, but you said this would happen. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm not giving you a great answer basically, uh, because I can't keep track anymore of all the shit that comes out of my mouth. Oh, it's totally fine. Um, so I, I definitely kind of got ahead of myself. So let's We'll, we'll come back a little bit. So tell us about you and your work, which we already kind of showcased some of it just now, but we, a little bit. Yeah. So, OK, so Jessica Lignato, mm-hmm. um, I am. Well, OK, about me. So you mean just about my work, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean about you, you as a person, you separate from your work, even though it does very much intertwine with a lot of us. Um, but yeah. It does. So, okay. So I am uh, a dual citizen. I was raised in Canada. I'm from Montreal. uh, And I live in California. And I've been here since the mid-1990s. I am a middle-aged woman and very fucking proud of it. 45 and a half years old. (laughs) Five foot two and a half. I am all about my halves. Um, So, yeah. uh, I, I... Moved to the U.S. in the mid-1990s to be to practice astrology, to build a career as an astrologer, because at that time in the, you know, basically before probably about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, San Francisco, California was like the only place you could imagine making a living as an astrologer, right? It was like this <laughs> bohemian mecca. Um, and that's certainly far from true anymore, but it was true at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also queer. So, you know, moving to San Francisco just made sense as a queer person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I I moved here in 94. I started my private practice uh, that same year. And I've quit my, my like, jobby jobs um, in 1999 to be full-time. What were your jobby jobs? Um, one of them I don't talk about in public. Okay. Uh, and then the other one... Um, was I worked with developmentally disabled adults, seniors, and children over the course of years. It was like different demographics. Oh. Um, so I did direct direct care. Uh, so, you know, like was in the community with folks. And it was, you know, if I didn't become an astrologer, it's what I'd be doing still, I think. I loved that work. Mm-hmm. I also worked with toddlers kind of after I quit my day jobs. It was kind of like the, the, um, the like, supplemental income stuff I did. Mm-hmm. I worked in like a play, for a play group and I actually got that job because the lead caregiver there had seen me in the community with, uh, you know, groups of disabled folks and was like, you should be working with toddlers. This will be fun for you and you'd be good at it. So I, I did that. But I loved 
that work. Um, and it was so instructive, actually, to what I do as a psychic, which I am a psychic, um, <laughs> and an astrologer. Uh, it was working with people whose primary modes of communication were not linear mm-hmm. or verbal. And it was, you know, it was like just getting in there and, and like cultivating relationships from different parts of myself than this kind of like linear way that people relate. I have changed a lot of diapers in my life. I'm not a parent, but I <laughs> I work I've worked with people a lot. Um I've changed a lot of adult diapers in my life. And you know what? It's all it's all good for me. Like I just it's it seems off topic the adult diapers thing, but I I do I, I do feel like um you know, it's like a thing that people have so much shame around mm-hmm. and exploring shame and kind of like getting in there without judgment around things that people have shame around for me is a big part of what I do as a psychic, as a counselor, as an astrologer. And it certainly was, you know, in helping people out with their like basic functions. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's something it's something I'm really passionate about. And it's just kind of like a very integrated part of my life. So when you when you were doing this work and then you transitioned into doing the astrology work, when you were doing that work, was that something already that was like brewing for you and you were just kind of working those jobs to make ends meet. Yeah. Um, Okay. So can you talk through a little bit about the process of when you finally broke out and were able to focus on the astrology? And then I know that you're working on a lot of projects right now. If I know I'm asking you to do a lot in a small amount of time, but to get us kind of to that point of where you just kind of jumping into it and then to the point where you felt like, okay, this is like consistently what I'm able to focus on and then the areas that now yeah. you're really focusing on so within that umbrella. It's it's tricky. You want to keep in mind, there was no internet, okay? So there was no mobile phones. Mm-hmm. There was no internet. And the idea of focus in a digital world is a completely different idea than all of human society before mobile phones and the internet, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was really focused on astrology, I was I, I had a private practice. I was consulting with clients. I was studying. I was part of astrology groups with just like you know nerds, just astrology nerds. Um, in the mid nineteen nineties, um, there was just a lot more space and time before you could be scrolling on your phone and be like, oh shit, I just spent two hours. Or even before you could be listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you had to wait for your favorite radio show to play or for your favorite TV show to happen. You had to wait for it. You couldn't TiVo it. You know, you could use your VCR or whatever, you know, but it's a whole thing. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I was working uh, really diligently on those things. Um, while I was on astrology, while I was doing all this other stuff, when I quit my job, let me try to remember. And and you also want to keep in mind, I'm 45 years old. I started when I was like 20. Mm -hmm. So I started very young. And so I, my only goal when I was 20 was that I wanted to become proficient um, enough as a consulting astrologer by the time I was 30 to then come to mastery of medical astrology. And that was like my only goal. And then by the time I was 29, I was lecturing mm-hmm. to other astrologers about medical astrology. So I, I like hit that goal. And after that, and that was probably not far from the age I was, God, I'm trying to remember timing. But basically, like I had been self-employed for a minute by then. You know, my rent was $350. It was really cheap, which is like, you know, maybe in some parts of the country that doesn't, that sounds like a lot. But like in San Francisco, it was, I mean, that same apartment is so expensive now. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I had really cheap rent. So I was able to not make a lot of money. And I don't have very capitalistic values. I don't, you know, I never went to school. So I don't have any debts. Like I didn't own a car, you know, like all that kind of crap. Uh, I didn't really want for a lot. So it was easy Mm -hmm. for me to not make a lot of money and just focus on my craft, which again, there's not many places in the United States where that you can do that anymore. (laughs) Right. So I, I think it's important that like, as I share my path, that I contextualize it in time. Um, because if I had been the exact same person with, Instagram and Twitter, I would have been compulsively sharing my progress as a practitioner and comparing myself to other practitioners. Mm -hmm. Whereas what I was doing was I didn't know there were other astrologers except for this one community of astrologers that were much, much older than me 
They were majoritively, um, you know, straight and white, and it wasn't like my vibe exactly, but but they were like my only mm-hmm. colleagues, essentially, right? They were my only community members, and I had to physically go to physical spaces to connect with them. I, it wasn't through the internet. And again, I think mm-hmm. it's a really important distinction. There's pros and cons of it, um, but it was just my experience. So then I think it was 2003, I got my first writing gig, um, and I was offered to write the weekly horoscope for the San Francisco Bay Guardian, which was um, which was the like local progressive paper in San Francisco. And I was like, uh, no way in hell am I writing. I'm not a writer. I don't know how to write. So I asked my friend. Uh, <laughs> she was like one of my closest friends at the time, Michelle T., who's a writer, um, a queer writer who's awesome, and she's since written books about tarot um, and maybe astrology as well. But Anyways, I asked her if she would want to partner with me. So for years, we um, we co-authored these horoscopes. I would do all the astrology, and she would do the actual writing. And then eventually, I was like, I actually okay. can write on my own. Uh, let me just write this damn thing. And so, so we kind of like parted ways in that in that regard. <laughs> um, but so that was the same year that I got my first office outside of the house, and then within. A couple of years, I started to realize I was psychic, um, and eventually, I got like an advice column, and wrote for other publications, um, and I just kept on building my consulting practice, and you know, met with mm-hmm. thousands of clients over the course of you know many years, and um, yeah, and then my mediumship stuff and animal communication stuff—they all kind of organically emerged over the course of time. Um, until, so I would say like in my late thirties, keeping in mind that I've been practicing since 20, I started kind of being much more out about being a psychic, being psychic or having psychic ability and being a medium. Um, those things just kind of really slowly developed over time, which again, I think is a lot harder for people to achieve now in this digital world, but it is my path. And, you know, within a few years of that, I got you know, book opportunity, like an opportunity to write my book um, and podcasting opportunities, like things just kind of like organically emerged over time. And I've had people in the last couple of years be like, wow, you've had this really big expansion all of a sudden. And I'm like, lady, all of a sudden, this bitch has been at it (laughs) since 1995. (laughs) Like I am like, I'm just like a really slow, I I see it as quite slow. Um, I but I guess it's all in the eye of the beholder, right? Yeah, and I think that's such a good point. And I love hearing the backstory to it because it is such a needed reminder because when you're in it and you're seeing people just post like, oh, this big win that I got. It's like, no, they probably have been putting intention and yeah. action toward that for a long time. Yeah. And now it's starting to come. So in terms of in terms of timeline, so you mentioned that did book and podcast, so your book that just mm-hmm. yes, came out, yeah. that's the one that you're referring to, right? Yes. The Astrology for Real Relationships. Okay. Um, and so did that and your podcast, Ghost of a Podcast, did that start developing around the same time or were did one come before the other? I don't remember. They were definitely, I know I should, but this is what happens. <laughs> so basically, I, I did a show for it's TLC okay. in partnership with Facebook Watch while I was writing my book. Okay. And... I think I had a podcast at that time. I cannot remember. I was also writing four monthly horoscopes, a weekly horoscope, um, and doing other writing mm-hmm. projects. At, for a couple of years, I've been working like seven days a week. Um, so self-care is not my forte, uh, not to brag. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's like I did all this work to develop all these really excellent boundaries with my work. It took years. And then basically when Trump was elected, I was just like, you know what, I'm making a call. And I'm making a call to ramp up my work because I want to promote as many tools as I can for to help people cultivate emotional intelligence. Because I believe that emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. is foundational to doing the right thing when your neighbor is being oppressed. And doing the right thing when, you know, the person across the street from you is having their rights taken, you know, and and I and as soon as Trump Mm -hmm. won the uh, nomination, I knew that we were going to have him as a president Um, and I knew what that would mean. 
And there's literally not one good thing about it. So, um, you know, I, I've just made that call. So back to your question, um, I believe that they all overlapped, but it is possible. So I started mm-hmm. my podcast in August of 2018. So it is, I think, yeah, I was writing, I think I was writing, mm, I was writing, I wrote my book while I had my podcast. I'm pretty sure about that. Yes. And to be okay. fair, I collaborated with a writer. I mainly spoke my book because I fucking hate writing with such a deep passion, even though I do a lot of it. So we like, <laughs> I spoke the book. She she wrote the book. We like, we did this like hand over hand editing process together. Um, but it was six months. The whole mm-hmm. process was six months. It was very short, unfortunately. Um, and again, I was doing that while I was doing all these other things as well. So it's a good thing I'm a multitasker. Are you someone who kind of marks out your time? So you're like, okay, I'm going to spend time working on this and then this, or do you just kind of let it happen when it inspires you and then you do it? Oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, hell no. If I was like that, I would never get things done. So I've been writing a weekly horoscope since 2003 and I have never missed a week. Wow. And maybe a couple times I've been late, but I have not been late seven times. It's been less than seven times. I'm a highly uh, like time-centered person. I started keeping uh, like a daily planner um, when I was 12 years old. I love a daily planner. It took me years to get off the paper one and start using a digital one. Um, and, you know, as an astrologer, I highly recommend if anyone's listening and is an astrology student, get a paper planner and write down your daily transits and your calendar. And then it's a living document for what the how the transits were experienced. It's harder to do that digitally because there's something emotional about writing um, that is different. You can go on autopilot when you're mm-hmm. typing. So, um, so yeah. So I... I am very organized with my time. Everything is scheduled, highly scheduled. And to be fair, I am sun, moon, and rising all in Capricorn. So it's my nature Mm -hmm. um, to be highly organized like that. And I just don't think it's possible to have a career that is netted in deadlines and not be a time like a like a linear time oriented person mm-hmm. like it, unless you you drive all your editors crazy for a living which is totally possible people do that <laughs> i just i try not i do that but not as much as i could i guess <laughs> yeah. um okay i'm always curious cuz i know you know there's different things that work for different people and I'm I'm more along the lines of you, but when I am not doing that, I totally feel it and it definitely affects my performance, but time yeah. is time yeah. is a helpful thing. Hey friends, just a brief pause from this conversation so I can tell you about The Wave Podcasting. The Wave is a company that helps women grow their podcasts so they can build an audience and get paid. They offer educational resources and a digital community of which I am a part of and have gotten to meet some pretty dope women and get some great tips along the way. Plus, the founder, Lauren Popish, is a huge reason I have been able to start this podcast. She helped me find the perfect recording equipment for my setup and just get really comfortable with jumping in for the first time. And here's what's cool. They have a free mini guide that will help you kickstart your podcast growth strategy that you can download today by going to the show notes to find the link to their website. And when you're ready, you can purchase a complete guide to podcasting and use my code PODRALAND, P-O-D-D-R-A-L-A-N-D-10 to get 10% off the total cost. So ladies, come podcast. So let's get back to your podcast since that's mostly what we are getting into today. It sounds like kind of the inception of the idea started around Trump's presidency, true? Of the podcast? Yeah. No, actually. Okay, no. let me explain. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah. so I um, never considered having my own podcast because the technology intimidated me. I was just like, "There's, n- I don't know what to do. I'm not going to try to find out what to do. So what happened was, oh God, I can't remember what year it was. So basically, before Girl Boss launched, they contacted me and they're like, do you want to be our resident astrologer? Mm-hmm. You know, and and I said, yes, yes, bitch, I do. Um, <laughs> and then they also said, like, we're going to do an astrology, like a podcast, and we would like you to to be on it as the astrologer. And I was like, absolutely, I would love to do that. And so I did that. I was on a podcast called Self-Service with Jericho Mandibur. And it was so fun, and I adore her. Um, it, but I had like a five to seven minute segment every week. Okay. And through the process of that, I was like, 
I am a condor. I have these massive wings and I'm kind of just like, I'm, I'm getting to be like hummingbird. You know what I mean? Like flap, flap, flap. But, but I wasn't able to like use big ass wings. I couldn't like fly the way I wanted to. So I started feeling this like restlessness to want my own platform. And then when that, I got word that the podcast was being canceled, I, uh, I think we got like three weeks notice. Okay. I was like, oh, should I get a podcast? Should I make my own podcast? What should I do? Should I have a podcast? I was like, I don't know. And then one day my partner was driving and I was in the car and I had this little app and I just like fucked around with uh, like you could like, it was kind of like a design app for 12 year old girls. You know what I mean? It was like one of those. Uh, so I made the logo in the car. Um, I came up with the name Ghost of a Podcast because I was like, it's not a real podcast. No one's going to listen to this podcast. Nobody fucking cares what I have to say. <laughs> this is not going to be a thing. It's just like a wisp of a willow. It's a ghost of a podcast. It's a nothing. I also didn't want to be locked into only talking about astrology because I do so many other things. So mm. I didn't want the word astrology in the title, which was a massive mistake. I've since learned. Um, so it, just as an aside, if you're considering uh, having a podcast, a strong piece of advice that I've learned, marketing is a hammer, not a feather. Mm. And uh, I am now... Always in the like Apple podcast collection of scary stories, which is so stupid because my podcast is not about scary stories at all and it doesn't do me any good. So I have this great honor of being like kind of like on the oh, Apple podcast yeah. homepage, but I'm under scary stories with all these like ghost stories and campfire stories. But mine is like a very feminist, political, <laughs> astrology spiritual podcast so it's really anyways be careful what you name your fucking show is what i'm trying to say uh, so yeah so i yeah within a week uh i recorded intro outro my first episode and i was like okay i guess i'm gonna just try this and see how it goes and so there was like the last week of, of self-service and then the next week i started my show so that was it okay so what did what did you record on? Did Anchor. you already have stuff like Anchor? In- okay, so okay. there's a, that's another part of the story that I forgot. So basically, okay, so this is a, this is another <laughs> part. At that time, I was writing for or maybe I'd already quit that job, but uh, right before that or right around that time, I was writing for Hoodwitch. Um, I so I syndicated my weekly oh, yeah. horoscope to to Hoodwitch, and. Um, there are these two women who worked at Anchor, which is a podcasting platform, and they had put out a private podcast, but they tweeted at me about it. Hmm. And it was the two of them talking about their weekly horoscope that I wrote that they found on Twitch. <laughs> um, and it was just like them discussing the, the, the ins and outs, the highs and lows of, of my predictions, which they told me about it. And I was like, that's so cute, but I didn't really understand it. <laughs> and then they reached out to me and they were like, no, really, you should have a podcast. And I was like, huh. Maybe should I? nah. And then when I got the news about self service ending, I emailed them and was like, Sh- "Should I have a podcast?" And they were like, "Yes, dummy, have a damn podcast. <laughs> it's very easy on Anchor." And so um, I did it. And my partner, who is a software engineer and a massive like podcast fan, mm-hmm. um, was just like, "Okay, we'll do it together." And so he edits my audio mm. and um, and he, you know, has encouraged me greatly. And and yeah, and I of course do all the other things so yeah most of most of the life of ghost of a podcast has been like me speaking into the free mic that comes from like an iphone on my bed with like uh towels behind my back because it's really good for sound stuff eventually i upgraded less than a year ago i upgraded to this better microphone that i have now but um yeah it was just very like seat of my pants this was not a heavily planned thing at all but since I like I realized like people actually wanted to listen and I realized that I loved doing it. Um, then I became very organized about it. And, you know, for me, like the the kind of like rule of pod, one of the rules of podcasting, which is you want to be consistent and drop your episodes consistently at the same time of the same day, every mm-hmm. whatever week, two weeks, whenever it is, you drop your episodes. Um, that was an easy rule for me to live by because I'd already been doing horoscopes weekly and monthly. So. Um, so, yeah. So so this was low key impulsive. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's become this massive part of my work. It's become my favorite part of my work because I hate writing and I really (laughs) like talking and I'm much more comfortable talking. So unpacking ideas that I'm really passionate about in writing is so labor intensive. And for me, I edit myself as I go way too aggressively. Whereas Mm. when I'm speaking, I can tap into energy and flow with it. And then I feel 
much more comfortable and confident in expressing myself. So, um, yeah, boo hiss writing. <laughs> Yay, podcasts. I love yeah. that. No, I, one of the things I very much remember from when I saw you speak about your book back in this, back in winter, uh, was how much you love to talk and how much you hate to write. And I yeah. was like, well, it makes a lot of sense that you have a podcast. Yeah. Um, yes. And, but I, I also love that you, that you mentioned that even with recognizing that talking is one of your strengths and one of the things that you really tap into an energy with, that it wasn't like there was still a questioning there for you, you know, and there was still, I don't know, would you call it imposter syndrome, like something that you were dealing with or would you call it something different? That's a good question. I, I wouldn't, I don't, exactly identify with imposter syndrome but I think it's also because it's a term that's such a term that I'm not completely sure what people mean when they say it um but I certainly was just like I mean I feel like what I'm going to describe sounds like imposter syndrome it's just not a term that it's just not you know it's like language semantics it's like yeah uh, don't call me a lesbian call me a dyke kind of thing um Mm -hmm. but I I really I was just like, nobody's going to want to listen to me talk on a podcast or like the technology is going to be too hard for me to like maintain this mm-hmm. because I'm not comfortable with technology. I mean, I am compared to a lot of witchy woo people, but I'm not <laughs> compared to a person who's producing her own pro- podcast. Right. right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just didn't think anyone was going to care. I didn't think mm-hmm. it was really going to like touch people or engage people. I knew I wasn't going to market it, which I have not. Um, and I just thought, well, I <laughs> How's this going to work? But I I had, I was unintentionally smart. Uh, I mean, low-key intentionally, but kind of unintentionally <laughs> smart in that I, I like, there wasn't a gap between self-service and my show. So people who wanted to hear self-service were like, oh, Jessica's got this show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to kind of like have an automatic audience. But I also think I underestimated my the, the, the uh, reach of my readership. Part of what's tricky about having a, a written column is I don't have engagement with um, with my readers because they're reading. And with a podcast, because of the way I've organized my podcast, people write in questions. Also because of social media, people, people like uh, share it or they leave me messages or comments or whatever, um, which is different than with my weekly horoscope, which I still have. I don't get as much engagement, which is I'm not complaining about. So I'm not like inviting people to write me lots of messages about the weekly horoscope. But I am saying it's just less interactive. Um, so I, I don't know, like I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand what I was stepping into. Um, and I, and I did maybe underestimate my capacity to do it and people's interest in me doing work like this. Um, I couldn't see into it. It was just too foreign to me. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't see into what podcasting meant and if I'm being honest, I'd listen to very few podcasts um, because I listen to people talk for a living. So, you know, like stepping into like relaxation for me is not really um, listening to meaningful conversations. That's that's what I do for a living. So that's not my break. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I do listen to podcasts, they tend to be like comedy or politics. And that's and that's it. So I don't listen to podcasts that are like what I do. So I had nothing to compare it to. Ooh, so that's a great jumping off point because I am very curious. And this goes back to how you have that form for people to fill out and um, be like a part of the actual episode. So what was the decision process? Like what was behind the decision process of the format that you chose? Because you do read specific people's birth charts in conjunction with a specific question that they have. And then you also have like the astrology hot takes and then kind of astrology for the week. Um, So I'm wondering what went into that and also kind of how it, it differs or is either an extension of when you're actually doing one-on-ones with people when they're doing the private session. So like how that is kind of different or how they inform each other. I'm just, I'm very curious about that. So I basically, I started booking up six months in advance and then a year in advance. Um, Six months in advance probably went to nine months in advance, but then eventually was a year in advance. And, um, Basically, it got to a point where it was impossible for people to get a reading with me, um, which was the unintended consequence of me having a greater reach, right? Um, and I wanted for the podcast to be able to provide a free service for people who would not otherwise have access to my work. And mm-hmm. um, that was always like a given to me that I was going to do a reading 
a free reading for someone on the show. Um, and I wanted to be able to so that was my first thought. Now, what I learned through doing it is that people wanted to learn astrology. So I, I kind of got that, but I didn't fully get that. And so as the readings went on, I was able to see like, oh, people are like able to read along with me. They can pull up a chart. They can learn astrology. And so that this is my favorite way to teach. It's to be able to model how to be impactful and model the ethics and kind of direct people towards how to use astrology. I'm not really interested um, in teaching technically because I am very easily bored, uh, which is, you know, I'm like, I was very much a slow learner on the technical and I am not the most technically proficient astrologer. There are walking encyclopedias out there. There are so many astrologers who are like, just so technical because astrology gets very fucking technical. I'm much more of a practitioner. I am like, I can use astrology excellently. I am very confident about my capacity (laughs) to use astrology, but I'm not going to teach people the basics because there's so many things to learn that I'm like, meh, just eh, study and you'll be fine. Like, that's not good teaching. That's bad teaching. So I, you know, so this is like my favorite way of doing it. Um, And when I first started doing the podcast, I would put the horoscope at the beginning and the QA, the question and answer at the end. And a friend of mine was like, yeah, you've got that flipped. You should you should have the like um, evergreen content at the onset and then the horoscope at the second half. And I was like, OK, that makes sense. And that was the, the only change I've made structurally. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that something that I'm really passionate about that I do in my show and then doing the horoscope is like a non-brainer, right? Like it's like just breaking down astrology in a way that is functional and supportive to people in coping with their week ahead. But it's also instructive in terms of like how to understand astrology and how to use astrology, right? So again, mm-hmm. it's that same thing of me getting to model, um, you know, appropriate use and even ethics around astrology. Um, and then the other thing that that has been a surprising and wonderful part of my podcast is so the platform I use offers me ads and I have very anti-capitalist values and um, and I'm a materialist. You know, I live in a capitalistic society. I am, uh, you know, I like eating organic food. Uh, you know, I like supporting local makers, yada, yada. So for me, you know, I am frequently thinking about um, capitalism and materialism and how to be ethical within all of that. And so something that I figured out to do is to just run what I call PSAs. So I have some ads in my podcast, but I also have what I call PSAs, which are mm-hmm. um, just public service announcements. They're, these are organizations I believe in. These are causes I want you to be thinking about. Um, and I run them the same way I run ads. I don't know how people hear them. I don't know if they hear them as ads or if they hear them as part of the episode. I have no way of knowing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way I think of them, uh, they're just, you know, they're, they're they're opportunities for me to promote things I care about, have people thinking about things that I care about um, without me having to, like, you know, take on the mantle of making a podcast about those things because they're not necessarily that for, for a variety of reasons. I'm doing an astrology and a spiritual podcast, but I don't want that to be separate from um, my social, political and like kind of... Uh, I guess my heart's my heart's yearnings, I guess, is the, maybe the better yeah. way to put it. Um, and so and it, and it's a really for me, an important part of also how I engage with capitalism, because I'm giving free ad space and I know what the monetary value of that space is um, and to to organizations. So that wouldn't have a budget, you know. So. Um, so, yeah, that's something I've, I'm really passionate about, too, and I think is an important part of like anyone listening who's starting their own podcast. You might be with a platform that doesn't allow you to do that sort of thing. Um, I have certainly been contacted by platforms that say, yeah, we don't let that happen. But um, I say then maybe just bake it into your fucking episode. Like there are ways of working within the system out and and bringing in your ethics and bringing in activism. Yeah, um, that are just I mean, no skin off your back. It's only it's only a gift to everyone. It's like only a gift to everyone. So that's that's my plug for for that. <laughs> yeah, I've I've particularly been enjoying like your information on Black Lives Matter and all of that in like the recent episodes. That's been super Thank helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also just to speak to some of the stuff that you were bringing up, you know, I'm someone who 
I've always been intrigued by astrology, but it's a lot of it still goes over my head. I find it very com- complicated, which it, it is. is yeah. um, and I one day hope that I can like fully grasp it. But something I appreciate about these episodes is that you don't really have to get astrology to get a lot from them. Yeah. And I think that's really, really well done. And what people might not like understand if they're just like fully like going in blind. Um, but I think specifically um, the recent episode ancestral roots, I think was the name of the person. I loved that one. And I sent it to my sister because there was that section where you were kind of reading the chart of the mother and her child and how she, how through reading that, like how you can approach um, communicating to your kid. And I thought that was super interesting. And it got me thinking too, like, I know this is probably like a super, this is a potentially difficult question, but maybe you'll already know something that's kind of hit home for you. But as you've been doing the podcast and as you've been answering certain questions and um, reading certain people's charts. I'm wondering if there's any any ones in particular that have like stuck with you or really impacted you when you've gone through and done those readings mm. and then published them. I would say probably just about all of them. There was one reading I did. Um, a, a mother wrote in um, and she had a really conflictual relationship with her daughter. Um, she really just didn't seem to like her daughter. And, and her question was really intense. Mm. And um, this one was in 2019, maybe even 2018. It's an older episode. I think it was maybe called Mothers and Daughters. Um, and yeah, that one really stuck with me for a number of reasons. Um, it was definitely a hard reading. Um I didn't speak with her. I just read for her. Um, and I think part of what really stuck with me is a number of women wrote me um, after hearing that episode and were like, you know, I wish that somebody had said those things to me or to my mom when I was a kid. Uh, actually, a couple women wrote to me saying that they were sexually trafficked um, as young wow. children, like as, you know, children or teens, young teens. Um, and it, it was in part because their parents weren't available and they didn't weren't invested in them and that that hearing that episode was really important for for them like it like it like spoke to that trauma for them and that really Mm -hmm. stuck with me um a lot um there was an episode that i did about um eating disorders in response to somebody who had an eating disorder and that um that episode was really important to me because I've worked with so many women uh, and some men um, who have eating disorders and over the course of many years. And it's it's a it's a really trippy, tricky topic. It's one of the most trick, tricky topics to counsel around from my experience um, because people with eating disorders have incredible willpower and um you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's like, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to change. It's a really hard thing to change, um, because your triggers Mm -hmm. never go away. You know, you can stop going to bars. If you're an alcoholic, you can start, stop hanging out with people who do blow if you love drugs, but you, how do you, how do you deal with the kind of like addiction to control how you look and what you eat and what you don't eat? Yeah. Um, these triggers never go away. So that episode was, was really important to me. And I was glad to be able to to do that one but all you know it's like asking for like a favorite baby like you know all, all the know. all the readings I do I really like but those two kind of um are what came up when you asked yeah 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 that's what I I typically go with because I know it's a very difficult and kind of like fraught question a little bit um but I am always curious to see what comes yeah. up when that's asked yeah also to that point like how I imagine you get a lot of submissions and I wonder, like, what goes into the decision-making process? Is it just that you're pulled to a particular one? Yeah. I'm seeing yeah, ahead now. Yeah. So is it mostly that versus, like, a conscious, like, I want to make sure this is coming in or this is coming in um, or maybe a combination it's, of the it's two? It's a combo. It's a little bit of a combo of the two. I mean, I'm certainly, like, if it's, I don't know, like, for instance, that one I mentioned about mothers and daughters, I think I published that one on Mother's Day in 2019 or 2018. I can't remember. It must have been 2019. Mm-hmm. Um and so that was conscientious. Um, I, 
I'm certainly aware of what's happening in the world and try to be conscientious. But also at the end of the day, I just follow the energy. So this Mm -hmm. is where like back to your kind of like earlier question of like how time oriented am I and how organized am I? I am very organized, but within the time I create for myself, I create enough physical time for me to flip flop and be all over the place and kind of follow my intuition down the rabbit hole and then back up again. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's I don't have scripts for my podcast. I don't uh, I don't really like plan anything in advance. Sometimes I will do some research if it feels like it's important or necessary. But for the most part, I just schedule time to record. Uh, And then within that, I just follow whatever my guidance kind of points me towards. Okay, one more important PSA. Here's my challenge for you. Take a screenshot right now of this episode and share on social media with a tag to Poderland and the guest. I want to know that you're listening and I want to shout you out. Also, are you signed up for Poderland's email list yet? Because as much as I love social media and connecting through there, I'm also preparing for its demise and I want to make sure that I stay in touch with you and we have control over our communication. Not only will you get important updates about this show, you'll get recommendations of other women hosted podcasts, news related to podcasters you love, discounts on my cute ass merch, and much more. Okay, let's get back into this interview. You know, I'm always curious when when people work with really um, heavy topics um, in and out, you know, it's not always the most heavy, but I am back to that kind of self-care comment you made earlier, like how do you implement self-care when you are doing this work? And this isn't even just for your podcast, because this is what you do in and outside of that. So what's that process like for you in terms of just kind of protecting Mm. yourself? I honestly... um... First and foremost, I should say, I love having deep and intense conversations. I love talking about real shit. I have to do more self-care if I'm stuck in a situation where I'm talking about bullshit Mm -hmm. than I do talking about real shit. And that's just my personality. It's just my nature. Um, So so that's an important detail because it's not for everyone, right? Like not everyone Mm -hmm. would have that feeling and not all astrologers are like that. Um, But I am like that. So, So that's one part of it. The other part of it is, I mean... There's a great deal of spiritual maintenance that goes into um, the work that I do. And there's a great deal of spiritual maintenance that goes into having the particular sensitivities that I have. And some days I'm good at it and some days I'm the worst, you know? It really does. It's not like a fixed point. It's not like, oh, I figured it out and I've arrived. Anytime I hear somebody say that, I'm like, I... What? Okay. Uh, so how does that work for you? I don't understand. It's just like cleaning your room. You don't clean your room once and it's clean. You clean your room once and then you make it messy again and you have to fucking clean it again. That's how that works. Um, so I'm kind of consistently working on maintaining my boundaries. And, you know, if I am, let's say, you know, struggling with something in my personal life, then my vulnerability energetically my sensitivities to other people's thoughts or feelings about me are going to be way more intense. And if I'm in a grounded, centered place, then I have all my faculties focused on what I need them to be focused on. And it's a lot easier to maintain boundaries. So um, Mm -hmm. that all said, you know, the way I've oriented my life is to look at where's the calling? Like, what's an alignment for me? What is an integrity for me? Those are always the kind of questions I'm asking myself. And so when I'm consulting with someone, that's in alignment for me. That's an integrity for me. That's, that's my calling. And whatever, wherever it is that that person is coming from, even if I strongly disagree with them on a personal level, even if um, I can see that they are being destructive or harmful to themselves or others, I like to meet them where they are and consult with them based on their values and their life path and not my own. Um, So in a way, I'm like taking myself out of it. It's not about me. It's Mm -hmm. about them. And so um, that's a meaningful part of the self-care and the boundaries, you know, because it's not about me. Um, which means I don't have to be right. I sure as hell want to be accurate. I sure as hell want to be constructive and helpful. But there's this way that I, it, and I'm not sure if I'm exactly answering your question or if I'm taking it somewhere else, but <laughs> there's this way that I think that when consulting with people in any capacity, when you as a practitioner 
are more focused on being right and proving yourself and like checking a box in whatever way, um, then you're not focused on the service or the client. Um, or mm-hmm. the recipient of your service if they're not a client. And that becomes really problematic, I think. And it becomes harder to maintain energetic and emotional mental boundaries when you're coming from that kind of sticky, messy set of motives. And so, you know, staying clear about what my motives are helps me to maintain my energetic boundaries, um, which helps everything to stay kind of like as close to squeaky clean as we can keep it, you know. But it, it, it's all relative and, you know... Th- it, it's not it's not a fixed point, basically. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know if I've answered that really or, or if I took it in a direction. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I mean, part of why I like to ask that question is because I don't think it's it's not specific to one area of work or one thing that you're doing. And so that's true for the practitioner work. That's true for when you're jumping on and you're going to be interviewing someone like you have to be open and also intentional and stick with that instead of worrying about the what ifs yeah. and yeah. and getting stuck there. Um, so yeah, that very much resonated with me and because that's something that I can definitely jump into if I'm not careful. And I think a lot of us I think can. it's just human. I think it's human. Like yeah. if you're doing a job or performing a task, it's hard to not bring yourself into it and be like, yeah, this is, I want to do this right. I don't want to do this wrong. And even this this mm-hmm. thing of like, I don't want to do this wrong, you know, I think is a really big conversation in the world right now. You know, we are, we are at a time where because of both the social uprising, the much needed social uprising um, in response to living in a white supremacist and racist society, but also in response to how deeply interconnected we are through technology and the fact that so many of us are sheltering in place and spending more time uh, at home in front of our devices. And so we have all this pent up energy and we have all this need to um, be in this contact digitally differently than mm-hmm. in person, you know, which is it's a unique moment in history. I think because of all of that, there's all this pressure to um, prove yourself, to show up. So there's prove yourself and show up. Those are two different things, right? There's performative allyship and there's performative activism and then there's activism and allyship and they are different things, but they have like in a Venn diagram, they have serious crossover, right? Mm-hmm. Because how does anyone know you're doing something if you never show them? Right. And so it's it's like this thing where I feel like it is a really difficult thing to figure out how to stay centered in your intentions and to find integrity in how you express them and to be responsive to how it lands with others and to not make it all about you and to not make, center yourself in that. And nobody is naturally great at that because it's a very complex, very nuanced um, kind of set of things to be managing all at once, especially if you're emotionally activated around it. Yeah. And so I think this is a time where we're really this is like a big conversation on lots of levels and it's a good one to have. But I will say from my perspective, without incorporating our spiritual values and without bringing into the conversation our spiritual integrity, I don't think this work is sustainable for most people because if it's just analytic or it's just um action oriented then the mental health and the emotional health starts to really crumble, which I'm sure almost every person can attest to. This is a really trying Mm -hmm. time. Um, And so there's a way that um, being able to kind of access our spiritual center, whether that means for Mm -hmm. you God or that means for you like some sort of like woo or your connection to planets or whatever it is, finding access to our spiritual center helps us to remember who the fuck we are and to remember that you know, in the context of the universe, in the context of the planet Earth, in the context of human civilization, this moment is not the most important moment. You don't have to do all the things in in this moment. You don't have to be all the things to all the people. You do need to be in integrity with yourself. You do have to be in alignment with yourself on a soul level and do your best for this moment, you know, for this planet, for, you know, your place in the universe. You don't have to do all the things for all the people at all the moments. And I think that there's this pressure to that we place on ourselves. It's part of the human condition to do that. And I also think there's a lack of perspective that the Internet 
prop, uh, propagates. Is that the right word? Uh, but it but it really is a lack of perspective because everything happens so quickly. And that is not how human hearts and souls function. It's just yeah. not. That's just how technology functions. And we are all functioning <laughs> uh, very, very quickly and in a lot of echo chambers. And um, and I think it's really complicated. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I appreciate what you said, because I think part of, and I know we have to wrap up, um, so I have three very okay. quick questions for you right after this. Um, rapid fire, if we can make that make that work. Um, but I think what you said is really important, and I'm also being brought back to some of your recent episodes when you are talking about like racism and what's going on with Black Lives Matter, and not centering yourself in a unhealthy way, mm-hmm. and in a way that takes away from the movement but also centering yourself enough that you're dealing with yourself and your ego and I think that that is something that's missing from a lot of these conversations but also something I think about and am trying to actively recognize in a productive way while being a white person creating something Mm -hmm, in the mm -hmm. world and putting it out but also making sure that I'm centering voices that should be centered above mine. most it of the is time. really difficult work, and there's no way to yeah. get it right. There's no way to get it right all the time, and that's part of the work is to not need to to accept that in order to be an active part of the conversation, whatever conversation we're having, it's okay to have a learning curve, and it's okay to be in process. You know, mm-hmm. and I think. You know, I have said things or done things on the Internet where people are like, fuck you. You got that wrong. Delete that. And it's just like that's one way of going about things. Um, And another way of going about things is I don't like the way you've done this. Let's have a conversation. And Mm -hmm. the the thing is, is that there's all people in all movements. (laughs) You know, it's like I remember when I first uh, came out as as queer and I was just like, well, every lesbian's going to be a great lesbian because lesbians are fantastic. <laughs> we don't mess with dudes. We're cool. <laughs> and I came to find that just because, you know, we like the same music or we have sex with the same gender does not mean that we all have the same <laughs> values. Like it, it's a it's a um, naive way of seeing things, but it's how we all want to see things. When we are aligned yeah. with a movement or a demographic or whatever, we want to imagine that all the people in our demographic – share values. And so there's this way that I think um, it's hard because we need to be critical and open at the same time. And that's very difficult, yeah. especially if you don't even know who you are yet, which a lot of people mm-hmm. don't. Most of us don't, at least sometime in the day, most days. Right. And yeah. so it's, yeah. it's really it's a tricky thing. And I think it's it's about being here for the process and not identifying with each success and not identifying mm. with each failure, but instead identifying with the path, you know, and that's why I like call out your place in the universe, because your place in the universe is not this moment. It's not you at 32 years old or you at 22 years old or you at 62 years old. It's you on your path over the course of your path. It's it's mm-hmm. like they said in um America's Next Top Model from when I watched it in the 1990s. <laughs> I haven't watched it in many, many years. But, um, but, but what I remember is it was, you didn't just win the show because you took the prettiest pictures. It's because of your journey from the beginning to the end. That's why you won the show. And the universe is a lot like early seasons of America's Next Top Model. You're welcome. Amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Really so much I've taken from that show that actually does come up in life. It's so, so funny. So odd, right? <laughs> so odd. Yes. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Okay. Thank you for You're that. Um, that was wonderful. So I do have three very quick questions or hopefully quick. And then I know we got to, we got to wrap this up, but um, kind of speaking to something you said earlier. So I know you're not super into the podcast world because of just all the time spent on this one and what you, what you deal with there. But I do like to ask if you could name either like someone who you would identify as like a mentor through the process of your podcast or someone you emulate or you just love what they're doing, who comes to mind Mm -hmm. when I ask that? Mm -hmm. Um, I, in total honesty, listen to no astrology podcasts and no spiritual podcasts at all. Um, 
like I have heard individual episodes, but I don't listen to that kind of podcast at all. Um, the podcast I listen to most routinely is Rachel Maddow. Um, I, I I listen to like newsy podcasts a lot. So, okay. but I, they don't influence my podcast. They they mm-hmm. don't um, because they're reporters. I'm not a reporter. Trust, honey. Mm-hmm. I'm not a reporter. So I wouldn't <laughs> say I have that. Um, the cheat answer is my cat. Um, but I don't think that's a really good answer because it's not technically true. Uh, he just sits outside the my recording studio and, and like waits for me. But um, my partner, uh, my my beloved, uh, who is the audio editor, is yeah. is really my collaborator. And um, we we will sit and have a 35 minute long conversation about whether me framing a sentence in the way I said it is ableist and whether or not we need to pull it out and I need to re-record something like he shares my values and works with me on the things I really care about. So not just like pulling out the ums or like the weird sounds, but also mm-hmm. in making sure that that we're not like that I'm not like leaving behind some people and trying to address other people or whatever it is, you know. So so I would definitely say it's my partner who is uh, really shy and does not like public attention. So I'm not going to like name <laughs> his name and like, you know, be like, go check him out because he doesn't want that kind of attention. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But yeah, I would say probably he's, He's the one I would point to. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, that totally answers it. Also, I think your cat is a completely fair Thank answer. You. If, yeah, what's your cat's name? Panda Elizabeth Henry Cats. Um, wow, that's amazing. yeah. He has a lot of <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of names. Uh, I take no responsibility for calling him Panda. That's my partner, but uh, I I have come up with his other names. And if you met him, you'd be like, oh, his nose. It's like he's a feral cat who adopted me uh, a couple mm. of years ago. So his nose, it like it's like this upturned nose, like a girl named Elizabeth. But he like walks like a Henry, and then his last name is Cats because because obviously <laughs> his last name is Cats. Uh, yeah, Amazing. thank you, thank you. Um, and then my other question was the podcast you typically listen to, but it sounds like you named those ones. Unless there's any other ones that you do want to throw into the mix, I that if you were to listen, it would be the one you're loving. Oh, that's you know, I just was listening to uh, Throwing Shade this morning. I really love that podcast. It's a fun oh. one to binge to. It's like politics and comedy. Love that. Great. Um, but yeah, my podcast, you know, quarantine for me has been less podcasty. So I was trying to have more of a podcasty moment before. Uh, but yeah, it's been a little less podcasty li- uh, listening because I'm now creating two episodes a week instead of one. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah, there's that. So I haven't done a great job of answering that question. So sorry. There's so many amazing podcasts out there that I actually really love. I just, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, so I I apologize. It's okay. I understand. I am such a big consumer, um, but also in quarantine, I've been consuming much less. It's just kind of changed my mode, so I understand that. I've I've heard statistically that that's a thing, that people are listening to podcasts less because they're not commuting. I know it is the commuting, but walks are a nice time. Okay. Anyway, final question. Um, Where can our listeners find all your work and you and where can they support you and how can they support you? Uh, So uh, my podcast is called Ghost of a Podcast and it's pretty much everywhere podcasts are heard. Mm -hmm. You can get my book. It's Astrology for Real Relationships. You can get audiobook ebook paper book kill a tree see if i care no i do care but it's a cute book so you probably <laughs> want it in paper um it it's is cute, cute right it's, it's very emoji-ish <laughs> yes. thank you very much um and <laughs> then um you can you can follow me on patreon where i drop hella um like i do a, a monthly horoscope so it's an, like a kind of a once monthly exclusive ghost of a podcast episode and then I also am teaching tarot um, and I really am enjoying it. So it's been a really great place for me to be able to bring something that my work with tarot is like longer standing than my astrology work. It's the thing I've been doing the longest. Um, oh. So which I don't talk about in public a lot just because I just do so many things <laughs> and I, you know, they're, yeah. Anyways, but I'm teaching tarot over there. Uh, so people can find me there and on social. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Jessica Lignato. But on Twi- on Instagram, some fucking weirdo has stolen at Jessica Lignato. And what? yeah, and they follow like four people and they're weird. And I've reported it to Instagram several times and they refuse to take it down. It's really annoying. 
And uh, so I'm on Instagram. I'm at Jessica underscore Lignato because some asshole uh. stole my <laughs> full name. Who would do that? That's just, just I, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Uh, so there's that. Yeah. Find me on That's the strange. internet. I'm, oh, and I have a weekly horoscope. You can find that. I have a free, uh, uh, what's it called? An app. Uh, app for iOS. It's called Tiny Spark, and it's like a it's like a magic eight ball, except for it tells you to like, it it talks like I do, so it's a little rude. <laughs> it's a little supportive, a little rude. It's a little <laughs> bit of both. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Thank you. I love it. And you also have a tip jar on your website if people just want to shower you with love and money, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. You can you can uh, tip me. You can also uh, donate to any of the organizations that I promote on my podcast. Um, right now, I've got the Okra Project, uh, the Minnesota Freedom Fund, um, Gosh, I've, I've got Rice's. Um, I've got a bunch of different organizations. So you can go check those out. And <laughs> if you want to tip me, you can actually just donate to those organizations. And you can, you can like, put a note to be like, tell Jessica I did Great. it. And I'll be like, look at that bitch. She's so cool. And then I'll feel like I'm being tipped. Amazing. Um, we're seven minutes over. So thank you for spending that, that extra little minutes in here. It's a joy. <laughs> it is a joy. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It's great to see you again. I know. It was lovely. I'm so glad we got to connect for longer. Our original music is produced by Carrie Blue, and everything else is produced by me, myself, and I, Miss Alexandra Cole. And you can follow me on Instagram at Podraland, P-O-D dot D-R-A-L-A-N-D, or Twitter at Podraland, minus the period. And you can find more of what I do on Podraland at www.podraland.com, where I recommend women-hosted podcasts and feature indie women podcasters. So I hope to see you there. Feel free to subscribe to the newsletter. You'll get recommendations and updates about this podcast. And finally, make sure to share this episode, tag us in it, like that shit, give us a review. Anything you do helps not just this podcast get more exposure, but also helps these women's voices be heard by way more people. And ultimately, that's our goal. So let's fucking do it. (laughs) 